Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy, but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with, but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Wayne Jacobson, and you can find him at lifestream.org. That's lifestream.org. If you're in the Christian space, you've probably heard of Wayne Jacobson. He is a famous author. Uh, He was co-writer and publisher of the the book, the popular book, The Shack, which sold over 24 million copies worldwide. So in the author space, that is a massive achievement. I think uh, 100,000 copies is considered success. So when you enter the million category and 24 million, it's really up there. So he's really had an influence and God has been using him. Now, as an author and speaker, Wayne travels the world, helping people find freedom from performance-based religion to embrace a relationship with God deeply rooted in his affection for them. BC Nation, that's what we're talking about. I know many of us have come from performance-based religions. That's how religion was uh, presented to us, other than relationship with God and what God is wanting with us and the affection he wants to pour down onto his children. So Wayne's most popular titles of his books include He Loves Me, Learning to Live in the Father's Affection, So You Don't Want to Go to Church Anymore, Finding Church, In Season, and A Man Like No Other. His newest book is called A Language of Healing for a Polarized Nation, Creating Safe Environments for Conversations about Race, Politics, Sexuality, and Religion, along with co-authors Arnita Taylor and Bob Prater. A former pastor, Wayne now hosts Lifestream.org, which provides resources for spiritual growth, And he has a podcast at thegodjourney.com, thegodjourney.com, to encourage people thinking outside the box of organized religion. Both have inspired countless people to move to a more vibrant faith and a greater understanding of living in the church Jesus is building in the world. He has been married to Sarah for 44 years and lives in Southern California, where they enjoy their adult children and grandchildren. Wayne Jacobson, welcome to Broken Catholic, my friend. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Thank you, Joseph. Uh, man, that's, uh, that's a lot more stuff than uh, needs to be said about me, probably. I think uh, going back, the one thing I'd say is about the shack, it, you mentioned it as an achievement, and I look at it more as a gift. I mean, God put us in the way of something, and we got to be part of something pretty amazing, but I, I don't feel like that's an achievement. I feel like that's just a gift God let me be a part of. 
I really get that. And thank you for just being transparent about that. I know Rick Warren with his purpose-driven life views that as uh, in a very similar way that, hey, God did that. Like, I didn't do that. I just wrote a book, right? Look how many people write books. God is the one that created that kind of massive platform. So thank you for going there. That's fantastic. Um, go ahead and let's start off with uh, share something personal uh, with BC Nation, Broken Catholic Nation, um, about you that very few people in your business life actually know. Well, I don't really have a business life. My, my whole <laughs> life is fairly personal. I deal with people all over the world. And I, I decided a long time ago, the only way you can actually help people is to be genuine and honest and open. And if you're hiding your stuff, and if you're pretending to be better than you are, and if you're pretending this life in Jesus is better than it lives for you, then you're only creating frustration with people. You're not really helping them. So I don't know what I could share with you that most people around me don't already know about me. Uh, I think my, my foibles, my, uh, my pluses, my minuses, my strengths, my gifts, my weaknesses are pretty, pretty well out there. Um, but at 67, uh, fortunately, God's gotten to a lot of the really ugly stuff in my life. I grew up as a real egotistical guy, wanted to be the big writer, wanted to be the leading pastor in the nation, wanted to have all the light uh, drawn to me so that I could share my nuggets of wisdom with the world. Mm. And uh, God disabused me of that about 25 years ago and began a very different journey in my heart that uh, He Loves Me, the book you mentioned earlier, really, really gets to how to move from an appeasement-based view of God. Here's this angry deity that constantly mm. needs to be appeased by my performance mm. to here's an affectionate father whom if I let him love me will transform me from the inside out. And so I got to a lot of my ego, still getting to some of it. It got to a lot of my anger. I think anger kind of goes with religious performance because whether it's externalized or internalized, God doesn't do everything you think he should do for as hard as you're working for him. And so you can read some very angry days in, in my past through all of that. And uh, the last 25 years have been, well, the first five of that was very, very painful. And we went through some transformation that I didn't necessarily choose. But I've been living off the fruit of that for the last 20, 15, 20 years. And uh, it's made me a gentler person. It's made me easier to deal with in the world, even though at times uh, I can get impatient and frustrated still. Yeah. Got it. So thank you for sharing that. And I know I personally uh, resonate deeply uh, with what you just said. And I actually have a talk that you know, I'm doing in churches called Confessions of a Control Freak. And I, I talk about the five different types of control freaks and, you know, where God wants to lead each of us. And it's really to submit that inner control freak that we all have um, that's trying to control all the areas of our life and not releasing control to God so that he can take over. He can be the savior in our life rather than us or ego or self. And so I really get that. And I really want to hear more about um, that transitional period. And it sounds like there was some pain there. Uh, anytime God submits uh, our ego, uh, typically, you know, God disciplines, right? What does he say? Disciplines uh, the children he loves. And what did that look like? If you could paint us a brief story, um, but a very clear and vivid picture of what was that breaking point of ego for you, uh, yeah. where you had to put it to death and then uh, God, God raising you up anew. I think it was it was a slow, painful process. It wasn't immediate. There's uh, 25 years of my life that's the intersection of a passionate desire to know God and a great religious performer. 
And those two things were on a constant collision course that I didn't know. Um, they collided about the time I was 42 through the betrayal of a very close friend, a co-pastor in a church I was at. And one day he announced that I had resigned while I was speaking out of town somewhere else. And, uh, and I had not resigned. So it was a little power play, a little coup by four of our 14 elders. And uh, I came back into town ready to fix all that because I'm the third of four boys that grew up on a farm. I don't mind having a fight with you even if I lose as long as you're bloodied up a bit. And I'm okay with that. So I'm a fighter. I want to be at the top of the pyramid. I came back to fight all that. But there was this nagging thought in the back of my head that I later identified to be the Holy Spirit. And the thought was just this. I have more to teach you if you walk away than if you stay. And it hmm. took me four or five days to really get in sync with it. I didn't want to walk away. I wanted to come back, claim my position, expose the lies, uh, fix everything. And every time I figured out how I would do that, there's this nagging thought. I have more to teach you if you walk away than if you stay. And five days later, I walked away. I never went back and never defended myself, never wrote a letter. That, well, I wrote four letters, but never sent those letters to try to explain to people what really happened. Um, and it was through the painful aftermath of that, probably two to three years in the aftermath of that experience of having my life judged by people, having lost 15-year friendships. My children were their mid-teens, so that was their life, really, life friendships. Mm -hmm. All those things went away. People who I had helped through very, very difficult things suddenly had turned against me and were willing to lie about me to accomplish whatever end they had. But God used all that to kind of get underneath who Wayne really was and my competing prayers, one, to be successful externally, that was competing with the prayer to be transformed into his image. And um, fortunately, that one won. I, I know people who don't get through that, you know, they get through crisis point like that. And like you said, try to control the event, try to save themselves, try to do whatever. I still look back going, I don't know how we did it. Other than Sarah, my wife was, when I first told her, I think we have more to gain by walking away than if we stay. Her immediate response was, yes, I think that's right. And I'm like, whoa, don't even go there. I'm not there yet. And, uh, but she really saw through some of the stuff I was involved in before I did. So it was her encouragement. And I think, you know how the Holy Spirit graces you at times where you're really not considering all the things you might consider today and not make that same decision. But I look back now going, man, that was one of the greatest decisions of my life to follow that voice rather than save myself, rather than try and control my own outcome. And there was a lot of pain there, but then I found traction on a different kind of trajectory. And I have lived the joy of that for the last 20 years. Wayne, this is a very powerful story that I think a lot of my listeners can resonate with, maybe at a smaller scale, but still the same, this dying to self, exactly what Jesus calls us to do, this dying to the fake life that we've created for ourselves, which is really, if we're being fully transparent, it's really set up to glorify us rather than God. What Brendan Manning called the imposter self. Yeah, we spent a lot of time cultivating him or her and trying to put to the world something we're not. We're always having to pretend. I think you mentioned control earlier, the whole idea of I've got to control all the outcomes to, to find contentment. Uh, one of the men of God in my life, about 15 years, my senior former Lutheran pastor said to me one time, as long as your personal well-being depends on the response of another person, you will manipulate them. 
And uh, when I first heard that, I went, oh, crud, that's like kryptonite. Don't let that anywhere near me. That's going to unravel my marriage. That's going to unravel my pastorate. That's going to unravel so much because, yeah, my personal well-being continually depended on how other people responded. And when you get a chance to look behind and see how much you're trying to manipulate outcomes and really how anti-relational that is, the relationships you're destroying because Mm -hmm. of your need for an outcome, um, yeah, all that kind of got to come unraveled. And you can read very painful season, but man, on the other side of it, uh, great joy, great freedom. I no longer feel like I have to pretend when I travel, I show up, I stay in people's homes, I don't stay in hotels. I want people to take a look at who I really am and what God's doing in my heart. And uh, if that encourages their journey, which it seems to, then that's all good for me. I love that. Mm. BC Nation, I hope uh, Wayne's story is pricking something inside of you right now, or there's the voice of the Holy Spirit prompting you right now, hey, maybe I need this. Hey, maybe I'm trying to control stuff in my life. Maybe God's been you know, knocking on the door of my heart and I have that thing dead bolted 10 different ways and I just really won't let him in because I don't want to give up control. And not that the control in your life is actually working, right? That's the funny part. Many of our lives aren't working yet. We still won't give God control because there's a payoff in that comfort. There's there's a hidden payoff of, well, at least I didn't die yet. So, you know, it's somehow working in some dysfunctional way. And God wants to give you freedom. He wants to give you what he gave Wayne, what he's given me. But first, you got to do that Exodus journey out of slavery, that Exodus journey out of self. And, and, and then there's the parting of the season. And it's work. It sucks. You know, I, I say you got to go through the sock. Um, but you're not going to go through it alone. God is with you in the tunnel. There's not the light at the end of the tunnel. God is the light in the tunnel, as they say. Um, Wayne, thank you for sharing that. I, I think that really goes deep with a lot of us. So now that we stirred a heart in one of my listeners, there's one listener out there right now that is just really disrupted by that, what you've shared. I'd like you to um, give that listener three spiritual tips strategies, insights to let go of that self, let go of that false life, that fake mask of trying to look good or avoid looking bad to others, and to really let God in to take over. What does that look like? What are like three tactical, practical steps they can do right now that maybe you've done or you coach others on? What can BC Nation do? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I see three. I see one main one, and that, okay. that would be the word surrender. When you talk about control, I, I think control is an illusion, and that's what frustrates those of us who try to live by our own control. Eventually, it catches up with us, because as much as I'm trying to organize everything in my life and keep ever, all the balls up in the air and not let anything fall to the ground, I'm living in this constant stress and frustration, and the hungers of my life are not being met by the control I'm trying to exercise because it's an illusion. So the idea of surrender to God, Jesus does this when he's, when he's headed for the cross. He's saying, now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. And isn't that the prayer we always pray whenever the pressure comes on, whenever there's things that go difficult in our life, God, bail me out. God, save me. God, rescue me. God, rescue me. 
And oftentimes we're asking God to rescue us from the very process that will bring the transformation he desires. So Jesus says, yeah, I, I mean, if I'm going to the cross, I'm going to pray, Father, deliver me from this hour. That, I'm exactly going to pray that. But what Jesus ends up praying is, Father, glorify your name, glorify yourself. Because I think we can see these things coming. We can see the fact that my, you know, my hungers are converging with my frustrations, that maybe there's, there's difficult things that are brought into my life that's destroying my ego. I don't think we do that to ourselves. I don't think we're good enough, bright enough. I think we merely, you talked about the bolted door. We, if we can unlock some deadbolts on the inside and say, okay, God, I'm going to entrust myself to your hand. I want you to be glorified in me. And I'm willing, here's that stupid prayer. We joke about it all the time. It's the dumbest prayer you can pray, but God, whatever it takes, I want to live in your freedom. And I've prayed that prayer a million times. And when God has at me with what you call discipline or whatever, the, the real difficult training moments, it's because I've given him permission. I've said, yeah, come at me. I'm not good enough to fix me. I look back at my anger, my ego, and you can also, oh, you got to lay down your ego. I don't even know what that means because I don't feel like I laid it down. I feel like it got destroyed in me by something better. And uh, the something better was this invitation into a God who was knowable, who loved me, who was for me. Even if he wasn't fixing a difficult circumstance, I desperately wanted him to, that he had a better agenda behind it all than I could see. And I, I don't believe God uses pain, creates crisis in our life. I don't. I think we live in a fallen world. Enough crisis comes at us from the brokenness of the world I live in from the brokenness of people around me, from my own brokenness. Uh, John Wesley said, God uses the flesh of others to do his greatest work in us. And it's probably true. And it's probably true of my own flesh as well. So I, I think there's got to be in this surrender, this sense of th there's a reality I'm going to relax into and that, that God is big enough to walk me down this journey. And I'm just going to look for his fingerprints every day and follow him as best I see him but I'm not going to take responsibility. I'm not going to take control back to get me not to control things anymore. I'm really just going to have to keep learning day by day how to, to surrender into the reality that I'm deeply loved, that this father is at work to do his best in me, that that's never going to look like what I want it to look like. It's not going to be the route. I mean, if you want to be first, be last. You want to exalt yourself, humble yourself. Jesus warned us that the, the road in this path of spiritual transformation is always counterintuitive. It's not a direct path. It's not Wayne's best reasoning, make a choice, I'll get there. It's always, God, what are you doing? How do I see it? How do I trust your love enough to relax into that reality? So I'm sure there's three tips in there somewhere of surrender, of relax, and trust that this love is big enough to hold you, even if it takes a year or two or more to find your trajectory. The whole idea that it should be immediate. I surrendered to God and everything got fixed in my life. I'm like going, oh my gosh, you're missing transformation because it's not that fast and it's not that quick and it's not instant and it's just the constant yielding to him and to his life. BC mm. Nation. Wayne Jacobson is really dropping some wisdom explosions here on the show right now. And I know he's right because I've experienced this in my own life. I, I know it to be true. You know, there's an inner knowing. I went through it. I went through that Exodus journey. And Wayne, when you said surrender, like that was the first thing you're like, well, I think it's one tip or one insight surrender. And I'm like, are you kidding me? 
you know, this is what I teach in my coaching is the surrender principle, I call, called it. Um, and, and that's what it all looks like. There's this underlying principle of surrendering your control freak, you're in a control freak, to God, the will of God. And, and it is tactical. And a lot of us are never taught this. We don't know how to do it. It's not our fault. We just haven't been shown it. And I really love what you said about, you know, surrender. And then you got to ask the prayer, like, like God in, how do you open the deadbolt? Well, God do whatever it takes, do whatever it takes. And I remember my prayer specifically was father, remove anything that's blocking me from the calling on my life, the calling you have for me and use force if necessary. That's the do whatever it takes. And man, he answered that in a way I did not like. It was uncomfortable. He stripped away a business. I sold it for 10 cents on the dollar. Like I, he stripped away that false identity of, you know, what I did and how much I made. And, and he needed to, right, in order to make room for that new thing. And then give God permission, BC Nation, Wayne says. Give God permission. This is so, so critical. God will never uh, overstep our free will. He gives us two gifts, life and free will. And your free will determines how your life goes, how you use that, right? So Wayne is so right. You must give God permission to enter in, to take over, um, to really... Uh, give over your will to thy will, to his will. Wayne, anything you want to add to that? Well, I'd say even that surrender is not a one-time event. It's a constant yes. daily reality. The, the yes. language of repent and believe, which Jesus used about embracing the kingdom, repent. And we always think of groveling in our shame. I don't think repentance is at all. Repentance is abandoning my agenda. And believing is embracing his. And you never finally do that. I'm 67. I'm still doing that. I haven't done that. I've, I've, made, the, I've made the words. I've, I've made the commitment to. But the reality of my life every day shows that that, that surrender to him is an ongoing reality. And new circumstances bring up new places in my life. Oh, that's not as surrendered as I thought it was. So I, I get to invite him into that space still. So it's this ongoing lifetime journey. It's not a, it's not a one-time event. You kind of take care of it at the altars one day, you know, mm. walk away change. So powerful. I call it everyday surrender, right? It's daily. It's going and spending an hour every morning with God in silence and saying, Father, what do you want me to do? Like, and man, I love how you phrase that, abandoning your agenda. We all have it. And you're right. Our fallen nature, make sure it never goes away, right? It's, it's, we're constantly in rebellion. My, my dad used to say this thing. He's like, Joseph, we're, we all be, due to fallen nature, right? And Adam and Eve and all that, we have a hell bent tendency, meaning our default switch is rebellion to God. Yeah, that's one, that's one form of our agenda. I think the other one is all the right things we want to do for God. That, that's another tyranny of an agenda. So it's not just the negative. It's not just the flesh. It's also our religious ambitions. They get in the way just as much. So how, how do, can you give an example of that? Maybe in your own life where your religious ambitions were blocking God, like a very specific, tangible Example. Well, everything I wanted to do before, back in the old ego days, it was always for God. I wasn't out, you know, womanizing and drinking and doing all the sinful stuff. I was trying to be great for God. It was, it was all the agenda was spiritual and, and things people had said over me that I tried to, to serve that became a tyranny. And so it, it really is not just 
the negative stuff. It's also my, the things I want to accomplish for God or the things I want to fix in other people. It's those things can get in the way just as much of Jesus just flowing out of our lives because we love him and, and love people around us. And that always takes us on a very different trajectory. None of the things that I'm involved in right now, I set out to accomplish, including Jack. That, that, that came into my life. It was a matter of responding to him and watching things unfold and then going, wow, that's amazing. And I'm in that now. The, the newest book I have out is that same kind of, I didn't see it coming. I didn't want to get involved in it. And now I am. And it's changed the trajectory of my life yet again at 67. I don't know how many more trajectory changes I need, but we'll see. <laughs> Apparently it's, it's never ending, right? It just keeps going. Um, what do you do? I mentioned, uh, you know, doing a, a holy hour every day, just spending time with God and listening to his plan for our life, et cetera. What do you do as far as like a holy habit or a spiritual exercise on a daily basis to really, um, abandon your agenda constantly? Uh, what, it, what might be one of those habits that you have? Yeah. And I think a lot of those habits have shifted over the years. I used to be much more formal about my times with God or in scripture or doing those disciplined things, very disciplined guy. At this point in my life, I, I'm finding the joy of letting God be in everything and having a kind of a 24 hour, well, not, not the hours I sleep, except in my dreams or some of that too. But I'm really just listening and looking for him all the time. And my, my disciplines are the prayers that arise in my heart at times by help me love Sarah today the way you want Sarah loved. Who's the next person you're putting in my life? And how is it that I'm going to access their heart and love them and care about them? And it really has become more of a 24-hour conversation than, I mean, I still find time in scripture every day to read and rethink my thoughts in light of what scripture says. I have regular conversations with people about their journey and mine. So we're rubbing uh, together and finding out what, what growth and edges are there. Um, but none of that is formalized at this point into a set time period. Hmm. I, it sounds to me, um, and I could be wrong, but here's what I see is that God has really grown you um, in your spiritual walk from uh, you know spiritual infancy to spiritual adolescence to spiritual maturity, and spiritual maturity, you know, if we look biblically, you know, it looks like bringing God into every hour of the day and just having a twenty-four-seven uh, conversation with God and just constantly in communion with Him. And I think what helped provide that was the earlier days of being committed to those more disciplined activities. You know, it's like those things spilled out into life. So they yes. became less critical to have this sacred moment every day. But I feel like all of life became sacred because he inhabited habits it. Now I go, I go through periods where I am least less focused on that than others. So it's, it's not always flawlessly, perfectly mature, wonderful looking thing, but overall, yeah. In the course of a day, I, there's always that whisper in the best. Somebody's coming to see me or I've got a phone call you know, what, what's your heart in this, God? Where are you going with this? That's, I'm asking that. I'm looking for that. And I'm sensing that there's nudges this direction or that direction. BC Nation, if uh, you realize right now by listening to Wayne Jacobson that you're not at that uh, place in your spiritual journey yet, um, rest assured you're not alone. I know I'm not there yet. I'm probably at the spiritual adoles uh, yeah, adolescent uh, stage. Um, where I'm doing those daily disciplines that are forming that, that habitual communion with God, but I'm not in that 
you know, full communion yet, but I aspire to. And, and BC Nation, just know God constantly wants to grow each of his children in that relationship. That's why he pursues you. That's why he's nagging you. That's why there's, he's using the, as Wayne said, the suffering of a fallen world around you. And he's, he's making beautiful things out of it, a beautiful ma- mosaic of your life. Um, but man, that looks like friction. It feels like friction to grow, <laughs> right? It hurts. It, it definitely hurts. Um, and it all comes back to God disciplines, you know, the children that he loves. So uh, when we're about to wrap up here, time just goes by so fast. I could definitely continue this conversation with you. I know there's much I can learn from you. Um, but we're about to uh, head into our favorite, my favorite part of the show called uh, the confession round. Um, but before we do, uh, we are speaking with Wayne Jacobson. He's the co-author of the very popular book, The Shack, sold over 24 million copies worldwide. You can find him at lifestream.org, lifestream.org. His newest book is called A Language of Healing for a Polarized Nation. You could go get that at that same website I just mentioned. And Wayne, let's get into the confession round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. It's just for fun. Don't overthink it. Are you ready, sir? Uh, give it a shot. All what right, do I we... if I get it right? <laughs> Spiritual kudos, my friend. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite thing about God? Um, that he's always there. Mm. What's your least favorite thing about God? That he doesn't think like I do. <laughs> Which is also one of my favorite things about him, but yeah, that's it. Time. So true. What are you most afraid of? Gosh, um, it's a good question. I don't know. If you did know, we're all we're all afraid of something. What are you most afraid of? I used to be afraid of everything, but now these days. Um, I'd be afraid of God going silent, but I know he won't. So I got that. That's where yeah. Go. yeah. That's a big one. And we're all human. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our lives. What are you struggling with right now, either personally or professionally? Um, struggling with the, the, uh, what's ahead in the final act of my life. You know, I've mm. got 15 roads that I could go down and not do any of them well. So what, what is that road now? What does it look like in this act of my life? And how does God want to focus my efforts? Mm, I get that. What did you spend way too much time doing in your 20s? Oh, gosh. Um, way too much time doing in my 20s. Um, providing an image of a good uh, Pharisee. <laughs> Got it. So wearing that mask for yep. the world. What secret fear do you have about people? I'm sorry, I missed the first part of that. What secret fear do you have about people? You've had a lot of betrayal moments. You've had other hurts. You'll do collaborations. I I set myself up to be betrayed every day because I decided not to protect myself from the flesh of other people. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I I could fear being betrayed again, but uh, it's happened last year in a major way. So I I survived it. I, I get on. I'm, I'm, I'm really okay with giving people an opportunity, even if they're going to misuse it at some point. So I get that. And isn't that what God does with us? Constantly. Oh my gosh. That was the Constantly. incarnation, wasn't it? Yeah. 
That was the incarnation. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? Uh, that I didn't have to earn his love. That mm. was there for me. Yeah. And you know, we don't want to believe it because we look at our own lives, I think, and we wouldn't forgive us. Right. When others act the way we've acted in our life, we don't want to forgive them. So it's so difficult to believe that God will actually forgive us, right? And we've got this constant accuser that will use our self-talk to yeah. drill us into the pit. And mm -hmm. then we finally, and then we no longer see it as his thought. We think it's our thought. So we think it's our conclusion about ourselves, and it can be completely the opposite of the way God sees us. That is so true. What's a new habit you want to form? Man, I wish I had more time for the intimate friendship, sitting in front of a fire, talking to people. Got that. Good. What's a bad habit you want to break? Well, I am breaking one right now. The bad habit is eating everything I enjoy eating. So uh, I'm on an intermittent fasting regimen now where I only do that between noon and seven every day. And I've lost about 25 pounds. And I'm, I'm excited about where that continues because it feels like something I can live still. But it's still a choice every day. I've done that. It's fantastic. That stuff actually works. So uh, I acknowledge you for that. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Um, contented, um, concerned, and uh, growing. Pick three words to describe who you were before you fully surrendered to God's will in your life. Angry, egotistical, uh, well, I was going to say self-centered, but that's egotistical. Um, unaware of others. Mm. And last question, Wayne, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family, your wife, Sarah, your, your friends in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about everything about life, about eternity, all of it. What would you say to them? I don't know that yet. I, 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 every time I'm with somebody who dies, my, my next thought is what do they know now that I don't know? And I, I, I bet it's zillions of things. So if I died, I would know that. And I would come back and tell them that. But I, I don't know what that would be yet. I, I'm hoping it's as astounding as I think it is. Yeah. Typically, I don't let, uh, you know, one of my guests off the hook without answering that question. But you're the only one that said, I don't know. And it was very wise. Uh, the reason why you don't know. So I'm going to accept that one. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing that you want my listener to know about having a non-performance-based relationship with God versus having a performance-based relationship with God? Yeah, don't try to do it out of your head. The relationship with God comes out of the heart. And so often we, we, we've got the idea that we can intellectually walk our way into any kind of transformation or any kind of change we think we can do by our own energies. I'm really nuts about God as a revelation. He's got to reveal himself to us. And when he reveals himself to us, everything changes. Things begin to change because there's something new in my life that's bigger than me. And it invites me into the best of what's me. So I think human effort, I always say this, I think our overestimation of our own capabilities always gets in the way of the kind of walk Jesus wants to have with us. He wants to take the lead in this. He wants us to be the responder. 
Uh, Eugene Peterson says it well in Matthew 6, when he translates part of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Jesus is saying to the disciples, what I'm trying to get you to do is to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting that you can't receive from God's giving. Everything about religion is get, right? Get saved, get the will of God, get, 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 get. It's all about human effort and energy and all that. And Jesus was trying to tell us, you know, Father knows who you are. He's giving to you every day. If you're recognizing his giving, then you get to live in that freedom. And if you're trying to get him to give what you think serves your agenda, you'll be eternally frustrated. Mm. BC Nation. Do not be eternally frustrated, please. God loves you. I love you. Wayne loves you. Don't go down that route. It's all about surrender. That's what it starts with. Surrender to a loving father in heaven. He's got an awesome plan for you. And it's better than anything you think you can get from him. It really is. Uh, Wayne, what's the best way for BC Nation to get in touch with you, get your book, uh, and share anything else you're working on right now? Yeah, livestream.org is the home website. That gets you to everything, including the godjourney.com, which is the podcast I do. A lot of resources, a lot of free stuff. If you just go to the free stuff menu at livestream.org, there's videos, there's audios, there's all kinds of things, and even free books to download that'll help you on your journey. Uh, my main thing is helping people discover the God I've come to know and find the freedom to walk with him too. So it's all there. Um, my latest book, uh, Language of Healing for Polarized Nation, very different for me. It kind of is a step into the political environment and having conversations in a very polar, Pew Research says we're as polarized as we've ever been as a nation. And it's not just there's people who see the world differently than I do. There's my enemies over there who are too stupid to realize I'm right. That idea, whether it comes from the left or the right, is destroying us. And Jesus called us. I mean, I go back to the words of Micah 6, 8, where he says, what does God require of us? He calls us to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God, because God's doing all those things. God does justice. God loves mercy, and God walks humbly in the world. And if we can capture that, there's a different way to live. We called it the language of healing. We called it a different way to process the world. And it wasn't originally going to be about race. We had three white people who were writing this book. At the last minute, God brought an African-American woman, Arnita Taylor from Texas. I was in a meeting with her. We connected and she, right at the last minute, was invited to participate in this book and has some most incredible views about unearthing in our own lives are discomfort with race, no matter which way we come at it, from which side or where. And how is it that we treat people as less human than us simply because of skin color? And to realize that we've grown up in a white majority nation, and that means certain things for us that it hasn't meant for our brothers and sisters of color. And all of that's still changing me. You know, she talks about being growth-minded and being growth-minded till the day you die. There's, whenever that retirement mentality, I'm just going to enjoy myself now, is a misnomer. Being growth-minded, I love that from her. So my life has really been changing. I treat every person differently that I've met in the last year and a half because of my relationship with Arnita. And uh, not just over color, over everything. And uh, So this book, it's been fun. It's invited me into a different conversation with people who are struggling with their children who are having sexuality or gender issues or dealing with race or dealing with religious arrogance in the world, which is undermining our evangelical witness more than anything I know. And so, yeah, that's the latest thing I'm involved in. And it's stretching me beyond my comfort zones, but uh, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Mm. I'll be in Oklahoma this week, inviting some other people down that road with me. So. 
So cool. And uh, what a great contribution God brought to your book and, and so needed, right? To really get a holistic uh, view. Um, so BC Nation, uh, go pick up the book uh, by Wayne Jacobson. Uh, sounds like a fantastic uh, read. And we really need it right now um, because we're fighting each other. And, and it also happens in, in Christianity, right? We have 40,000 plus different divisions and, and we look at the others as less than because they have a different, they worship the same God a little differently. And uh, that's very problematic. So uh, I also want to invite you BC nation um, to, if you're interested, I obviously work in the business space as well. Many of you are struggling to make your first 100 K others are looking to make their next hundred K. Um, but you want to do it in a spiritual way. Uh, you want to really integrate God into your business and give him control of your business, of your income, of your influence. If that's something you want, then uh, you could go get my um, 10 easy mindset shifts to add 100K uh, to your bottom line this, this year in a spiritual way. And it's, I'm going to send you an email every single day for the next 10 days, uh, really addressing the 10 big questions that keep you up at night. You know, like how do you um, get your business to run without you so that you can spend more time with your spouse and kids? You know, we address that. So you could go get that uh, for free at josephwarren.net if that's of interest to you. Wayne Jacobson, thank you for being on Broken Catholic, my friend. And I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. It's been my pleasure and to you as well. Cheers. BC Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your life without building faith in your business. If you want the business side of that conversation, I have another podcast called First 100K, where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, because that's where I believe 90% of you are stuck and you can't break through. Go to first100k.com to find out how. I'm Joseph Warren. You were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day and I'll see you right back here next week.